Welcome to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast, where we dive in deep to all things business, wellness, creativity, and activism for artists and entrepreneurs. We talk with impactful, female-driven companies and founders for an inside look at the entrepreneurial experience, where you'll come away with tangible steps to elevate your business. Are you ready? I'm your host, Phoebe Sherman, founder of Girl Gang Craft, artist and designer and marketing obsessed. We're here to learn together how to expand our revenue, implement new organizational techniques, and cultivate best business practices as we work towards creating a life doing what we love. Let's get started. Hey, creatives. Before we get started today with this wonderful interview, I want to mention that our spring craft fairs are now collecting applications for vendors, right? So that's Oakland, as usual, May 7th, Oakland Scottish Rite, and Salem, Massachusetts, May 22nd. So this is at Old Town Hall and Derby Square. So we're really excited to come to Salem, Massachusetts, my new town. So we're looking for people in the area to come vend. You can start applying now, and we're very excited. We're looking for femme forward makers, but also if you're a service-based business who wants to participate in our craft fair, if you've been to our craft fairs, you know that they are full of magic and good vibes and amazing small businesses, and it's a good time as both a vendor and an attendee. We want to make our booth fees affordable and we're really excited. So if you're ready to come vend with us, you can go ahead and apply girlgangcraft.com slash apply dash Oakland or apply dash Salem, or you can just go on to girlgangcraft.com slash events and you can find more info there. Really excited to be in Salem, Massachusetts. Really excited to be back in person period for a spring craft fair. So Seriously, can't wait, and we're inviting you to come vent. Hello, creatives. Welcome to Girl Gang Craft, the podcast. Super excited today because we have Nora Wolf on the podcast. Welcome, Nora. I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Hey, Phoebe. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Nora Wolf. I founded the PR firm Wolf PR back in 2011, so it's been a while. And we do design PR there. So everything from furniture, interiors, textile, product, giftables, tabletop. And about almost two years ago, right when the pandemic started, I started a second PR firm called Wolfcraft. That's a lot more about strategy and it works a lot more with smaller brands, creative entrepreneurs. And that's, I think, why we got connected through Wolfcraft. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your expertise. I think PR is sort of like a mystery to a lot of our community. (laughs) They're like, what is that? And is that that's for celebrities and how do I get pressed and what does that mean? So I'm really glad that you're on to answer those questions. And I'm also sort of not super comfy with PR myself too. So this will be a learning experience for me. (laughs) So let's start with the basic. What is PR? Yeah, I'm so glad that you kind of like hit the nail on the head with like, it's so mysterious and it's only for celebrities. And I think there is a lot of mythology associated with PR and it can feel really intimidating. And so one of the reasons why, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing, why I'm excited to talk with you is because I don't think it has to be that mysterious. You know, like I'm definitely not a magician. So I'm excited to talk a little bit about it. 
And you're right. Like there is celebrity PR, there's like crisis communications. There's like a million different ways to cut this. But I think for the purposes of kind of like the GGC audience and the people that we work with, it's like a lot less intimidating. Basically when we're talking about PR, we're going to be talking about, you know, it stands for public relations. And we kind of think of it as anything that's public facing that potential consumers, clients, and editors, the media at large would look at to get information about what you're working on. And then we really zone in on what's called earned editorial. So that means media features that have been placed, not because you bought it with an ad, but because you earned it based on the merit of your work. Super cool. Okay. So what is the difference between PR and like regular marketing then? The difference between PR and marketing is how much budget you're allocating to it. When I said earned editorial, I know earned kind of like sounds like there's money being exchanged, but actually it's kind of the opposite. There's no money being exchanged. With marketing, you've paid for that. And so that's like kind of the biggest difference there. Okay. And so we're talking mostly in publications though. So does that mean in print and online and everything? Yeah. Print, digital, podcasts, sometimes influencer, kind of anything that you'd consider media where you get information from. And again, considering the audience that we're talking to, it's going to be a lot about like, how did you make this thing? Why do you have a business? And what are you selling? And how can I buy the thing that you're selling? And that third one tends to be like the most accessible and the most popular thing to go after. So what are the benefits of, you know, having... What did you call it? Earned editorial, earned press. Earned editorial. But yeah, you could say earned, earned press editor- too. Okay. Yeah, cool. it's, it's an industry term, but we can I also say it. like a media placement. Okay, Same learning thing. new terms. Here we yeah. are. <laughs> so, yeah, what are the benefits of having your business placed in press? So, I love that question. There are so many benefits to having a PR practice within your small business, and getting press placements, which is what your question is kind of about, is one of them. And I want to talk about that, but I also want to like take a broader viewpoint, having a good PR practice is directly related to having a good business practice. So if you don't have, for example, good photography for the media to use, you also don't have good photography for potential clients to buy your work or understand your service. If you don't know how to differentiate your brand, the media won't understand why you're special, but neither will like the people that you work with to buy your work. So good business and good PR just go hand in hand and understanding and having good practices with keeping the media in mind generally also goes hand in hand with understanding how to run your business well. All that good business stuff will lead hopefully to good press placements. There's a lot of things that come from it. I'm constantly saying, don't use it as a sales tool. You can make sales from PR. I'm not saying you can't, but I really like to frame it as a way to get brand engagement, brand awareness and kind of tell your story to a broader audience. So that's really some of the greater benefits. We've had clients start new collaborations based on people who saw them because they got a media placement and then they start like a whole new collection or had a whole new exposure to a brand new audience because someone reached out to them. So it's kind of like, there's so many ways to do that. Another really great thing about getting press placements is it legitimizes you. Hey, like, Goop said, I'm the real deal or, you know, like real simple said, you know, I have a legitimate business. So you're not just saying that anymore outside entities that we've all as a society given some credit to validate 
certain brand, they're validating mine now. Like, pay attention to me. So I think it can be a very, very important thing, not just one-to-one. Like I sold five pieces because I got a press placement. I think there's some really good points that you just made. I love the Brooklyn sounds coming in. I'm so sorry. I, you know, there's okay. very little I can do. About there's that. nothing you can do. Yeah, city life. Do you want me to um, like re-say anything? No, no, no. That? No, okay. no, not at all. <laughs> it's part of it. I think we were talking about astrology earlier, but Lindsay yeah. Mack is also in New York and mm. she's like very magical podcast. And it's great because she just has all the city noises in and she's like, this is what's happening. And that's great. It's this totally is real great. life. Yeah. <laughs> this is real life. We're lucky because sometimes people like DJ outside from oh their cars. God. And so like, I just turn off my own music and let them DJ my work session for me. Yeah. That's excellent. That's a real treat. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you have some great points there. And one of them that I want to extract is like you saying that sort of your PR practice is almost like a mirror for the rest of your business. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really good point because I think, you know, thinking about how your business is going to come off in press, right, is really going to help you find clarity around your messaging, really help you get your shit together when it comes to product photos, like you said, or like elevator pitches. I know we're in the level up right now as this podcast is recording and we're all like clarifying our brand identity and brand mission. And that's a huge part of what small businesses need to do that I think Mm -hmm. sometimes gets erased. I think we're so caught up on social media and followers and sales that sometimes we forget like, okay, we actually need to take a step back and really like get to the center of what it is that we do. And I know it's hard for a lot of people. I know that firsthand because I'm someone who's done a million things from the get-go. So like really clarifying what it is that I do has been an integral part of my business moving forward because otherwise no one knows what I do. I still think that's a little bit like that, but really finding that clarity, I think is a really good practice. Like you said, I think that's a great thing that you said. <laughs> and then yeah, the thank you, Phoebe. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to build on that a little bit because so with Wolfcraft, which I think we're going to talk a little bit more about it, but we structured it with kind of like centered on design thinking. And so there's a methodology behind that. And like, two of the big things are research and iteration. And we'll also talk about empathy, but so like when I'm like, Oh, take good pictures. I think it's very easy to be like, I'm already taking pictures and I like them. And I think that there's like, when I say like good PR is good business, it's not about like, I like these pictures and you know, fine. Cause I could take a very beautiful picture, but it might not be at like an industry standard. And so this like PR element that I'm talking about if you're doing the research and you're looking at your peers and you're looking, you're developing like a media literacy. So you understand what publications are actually featuring. They may not be featuring beautiful pictures like the one you, ones you took, even though they're gorgeous and artistic, they might be looking for something very specific. And usually what they're looking for is what their readers are looking for. And what their readers are looking for is like the information that needs to be in that photo for them to make the purchase. So it kind of like is a full circle and it, when you start like really digging into it, it can really inform not just like, oh, like I don't know my brand values. I'll just make them up on the spot. Like once you start really digging into it, it's like you have data points and like static things you can look towards that really give you direction. So you're not just like making things up on your own. You're looking at what your industry is doing and plugging into it appropriately. And at, again, an industry standard, you're going to hear that term from me like over and over and over again. So like, what kind of things is the industry looking for? Some more insight on that would be great. Yeah. I mean, 
like we could spend the rest of the day talking about that. (laughs) So I'm going to try and be a little succinct about like, again, considering the audience that we're talking about and like what we do with our clients, like at Wolf PR and how I like work with people at Wolfcraft to like get there and understand those metrics better. Like the first homework assignment I give to anyone working with us, even before they've like signed a contract or paid, like it's a way that I bet if they're going to be able to like do the work with us is to identify five peers that are kind of like ahead of them. And I'm like, I don't even care if you like their work. That's not what's important. What's important is like, are they getting the press that you want to get? Are they telling the stories that you want to tell? Are they getting collaborations that you want to get? And so then we will look at like a few basic metrics, which is what I would advise everyone to do. And it would be like photography, it would be media outlets, because some people are like, oh, I really want to be in like architectural digest. Like architectural digest, like has Drake and the Kardashians in there. Like, are you a celebrity? Because if you're not, it might not, (laughs) probably is not like the outlet for you. And so like developing that media literacy and understanding exactly what like the top 10 publications you want to be in actually are instead of what you think they are and then looking at those photos that they publish and being like do my photos look like those photos so I can't say like everyone should have a photo that looks just like this because it's going to vary a little bit but once you start digging into that research there are some standards we think photography is so important that we like this is not a plug but we like actually created guides around like different kinds of products because like it's so hard to like drill down into that And without good pictures, like that's the number one thing a business should be doing without good pictures. There's not a design editor in the world that's going to publish your work, right? (laughs) Like everyone in our industry makes visual things. That's why our clients buy them. So if you don't have photography that supports like the visual aesthetic goals of your product, you're dead in the water. Totally. And that's so interesting because that translates to really a lot of part of your businesses. And I know that things are getting, we talk about this and a lot of our stuff too, that I know things are getting a little bit messier, if you will, a little bit more natural on maybe social, but I mean, publications are still upholding that editorial look or that just Mm -hmm. even just really crisp product photos, you know, on a white background or whatever. And I think that is really important. I always tell people that the two things that they should invest in and maybe three is a logo (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) and good mm -hmm. photography, maybe with Mm -hmm. website coming in as well. But yeah, I mean, your photo is your face forward and not only of your product, but also of you too. You want to have really quality, crisp photos that you can use for, you know, your website or your Etsy shop or your social. And also like, if you're speaking at a conference or if you're pitching media or if you're doing a collaboration or putting out an ad, like all of these things, like, you know, and I know photography is expensive for a lot of our community, but it's worth the investment. Yeah. I've had clients like say, oh, well just send them like, you know, our cell phone shots. And then if they want photography, they'll ask for it and we'll like take those photos. And I was like, that's never going to work. And this is where like the empathy part of the design thinking methodology comes in. It's like these poor editors. So it's like widely reported that the media is like struggling. All these publications are either shuttering, switching to digital or switching to like less issues. You're like six issues a year or four issues doing quarterly and they have no budget. So like they're relying on us to provide the assets for them to put in their pages because they're not really doing photo shoots in house anymore. They Mm -hmm. haven't for a while. Interesting. So, right. So like 
they don't want to wait to see that you might be able to take pictures that work for them because, you know, you don't want to invest in the photography unless they know it's just like, it won't work that way. So again, like if getting press is a goal of yours, like that's the investment that you have to make. That's just it. That's the way the cookie crumbles. That's the way the industry works. They're not going to restructure the industry for your small business. So you have to figure out how to appeal to them and make their lives easier. So what is this designed thinking? Tell us more about that. Yeah, I bet there's like a swath of your audience that's heard that term and maybe like, because you have designers in your group, so people who know it, but the methodology, I didn't make it up, but it's pretty widely used in like industrial design. It's kind of like a scientific method for making things or figuring out design solutions. So it's not only applied to like product, it can be applied to like figuring out how to make people walk through an airport quicker or whatever it is. But there's five stages, I think, and I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but the ones that we really zone in on is research, empathy, and iteration. And so we talked about research a little bit. We talked about empathy and iteration is like putting something out there, responding to the feedback, iterating, and then putting it out there again. And again, talking about how like PR feeds business and it's like a snake eating its tail full circle. All of those steps are the same steps that you're going to use when you're making product. Like no one really liked those earrings or that vase or whatever I'm making. But if I tweaked it a little bit, people seem to respond better. I changed the color or I like changed the scope or, you know, made it a limited edition. So everything that we're talking about applies to like, I pitched it this way, didn't really get the response I'm looking at, but now I like change the images I embedded, or I change the way I'm engaging with the editor. And now I reach out to them just to say hi and not to pitch them something. And now that's working better. So it's like a practice. It's a process, just like everything else. Okay. That's super interesting. I like that. I mean, I love a system. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. So can you tell us some steps to pitch yourself for a magazine? I know that there's options to hire PR and or to work with you in various methods. But if they were to work, try and do some of the pitching on their own, what are some steps to pitch an editor? Love that question. So there's a couple of things to keep in mind. First is lead time for the publication you're pitching. So if your editor works for a print publication, odds are the lead time is about three to four months out. So if you're pitching in January, you should be pitching for like a spring issue, maybe even a summer issue. So that's the first thing, keeping in mind timing. Again, if you're pitching digital, could be published like a few days later. So really like you have to like keep that elasticity in mind. The second thing is like knowing the editor and what they write about. So you're not pitching someone who only writes about interior design projects, a product or vice versa. Whatever, you know, you're not writing someone who only writes about very luxe, high-end stuff and your stuff is like $50 and under. So again, like making sure you have the right target. All these things go into the pitch, even though they're kind of invisible. Then like we get to that empathy part. So if I'm an editor, I'm receiving 100 emails a day, which I'm not joking. They really do get that many emails a day. What can I put in this pitch that's actually going to be of service to them? If I start my pitch and I say, it would really mean a lot to me if you featured my small business and here's my new product. They're like, I'm not here. You're not my boss. I don't work for you. And like, I'm not doing favors for people. I don't know. But if you approach it as, I see that you often write about, you know, spoons, you write about spoons every issue. I make spoons. Here's my newest spoon. And it was inspired by my trip to Greece 
because I went to the spoon museum. And so here's an image of my spoon. Here's a link to my website. Here's a little bit more about me. Please let me know if I can tell you anything else. I can send you a sample if you're interested. Then you're like, I know this editor. I know what they write about. I've given them an image so they know what they might be able to put on their page. I've given them the price point and they can start to craft a story. They can start to see how what I'm giving them works for what they write about. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So how do you find editors to reach out to? So going back to the homework assignment that I kind of talked about where you find like your five peers, aspirational peers, and you look at the press they're getting, I think that's one of the best ways to find editors is like, oh, competitor X was written about in this magazine who wrote this story. It was this editor. I'm adding them to my list. Competitor Y was featured in another magazine. Who wrote that? So it's like you already know that that editor writes about your peers, your competitors. Then you do a little research on that specific editor and you're like, this person that wasn't just one off weird story. They've written like 15 other things about them. You know, Google is your friend there. I also encourage if you're getting very serious about pitching to spend the like 10 or $15 a month on getting like an Apple News Plus subscription or a Readily subscription, or there's like a lot of different ones that have like cash of magazines and you can go through the archives of them. There's not a single one that has like all the magazines and they're all really clunky to use, but we use them every day. So find one that has like the majority of print publications because it's kind of hard to Google for those. And then you just start seeing like this editor continually writes about things that I would like them to write about me as well. I'm going to like add them to my editorial outreach list. And that's a really great way to start. Okay. That sounds like a really, really great system. So (laughs) (laughs) we literally set up Google alerts for our clients' competitors. So when they get a hit, if we haven't already reached out to the editor, we are going to. Super smart. So, okay, let's go back a little bit. So what is your sort of day-to-day like with working with having two businesses? Can you also tell me a little bit more about each business and what they do? Yeah. So Wolf PR, which is about 11 years old now, a little bit older, I think actually. So we do like, it's a full service retainer PR firm. And what that means, because I know I just said a lot of words, is that our clients come on They work with us for many months to many years, and we kind of like continuously represent them to the media. So right now it is October. We're like at the tail end of doing like holiday gift guide pitching. And that's what a lot of our clients have needed because a lot of our clients make giftable products. Last month, there was a trade show for office furniture. We have an office furniture client. They didn't participate, but we still got that information about their products because the media is going to write about office furniture. So even though our client wasn't there, we're still kind of like plugging into the timing for their industry. So like this sort of stuff, like we're plugging in our clients all the time based on like what's happening and what the media needs. And, you know, our clients pay us a monthly retainer and it's kind of just like an ongoing relationship. That is not accessible, nor is it like a great fit for a lot of amazing designers. And in my line of work, I've met so many incredible people. And actually the way Wolfcraft started was that this one jewelry designer kept like emailing me. She's like, I just want you to train me how to do this. I like love your work so much. I want you to work with me, but I know like you can't, I don't have the budget. And so I was like, it's fine. We'll figure this out. And so I just started 
kind of like impromptu coaching her. There was like no business in mind yet. Um, but she had beautiful jewelry and it was definitely worth the attention of the media. And it was just a matter of teaching her how to take the right photos, how to understand the media, how to watch her peers so she could start empowering herself to do that outreach on her own. And she doesn't have a budget that she can do ongoing retainers, nor does she have product coming out in a fast enough clip where it makes sense for her to have ongoing PR, but like two or three times a year that she wants to reach out. Perfect for her. She has good stuff. She should be telling those stories. And she's been able to get press on her own since we've been working together, you know, like a few times a year, which is appropriate for her business. Okay. That makes sense. So, okay. You have your PR retainer. Can you say that phrase again for me? (laughs) (laughs) What did I say? (laughs) I think I said like monthly ongoing retainer. Okay. And then you're doing coaching and coaching smaller businesses about how to do it themselves or how to teach their team how to do it. That's right. We do some coaching. We also have some courses. So we have a free pitch course. I should have mentioned that you asked how to do a pitch. It's like a five-day pitch course and I'll teach you how to write your first pitch. So it goes even more in depth than what we talked about. And we also have some other courses about holiday gift guide pitching, which is like a big one. Cool. Okay. Well, we will definitely like leave that link up for people. What stage are you in your journey? Well, we've got a new resource to share with you. Enter PodMatch, automatic interview matching for podcast guests and hosts. So if you're already thinking, but I don't even have a podcast, let me tell you this. Do you have an interesting story to tell? Do you have something passionate to share with the world? Hint, if you're a creative or artist, the answer is yes. Speaking engagements are one of the best ways to grow your reach, and podcasts are no exception. We've just started using Podmatch for our show, and it's already connected us with great minds we might not have come across on our own. Here's how it works. You create a public profile with tags for your interests, and the Podmatch algorithm will automatically make real-time recommendations for potential matches as a guest or a host or both. Then you can message and book interviews with your matches directly on the platform. There's also an explore page where you can filter to find specific hosts or guests. Plus, if you are a podcast host, Podmatch will pay you up to $19.50 for each guest you interview using their platform. So if you're ready to sign up, head to podmatch.com slash sign up slash craft, and you can check out pricing and all the cool things they have to offer. So... Okay. So exciting. So how is it balancing two businesses? I mean, girl, it's a lot of work. (laughs) I'm very proud of it. I think like being a woman running your own business, it's hard. It's never not hard. People never don't second guess you. I'm so proud of what I've been able to do. This is like a topic for another conversation, but like, I'm very interested in like, financial empowerment. And like, especially for women, that's like a side project. I just like to help women feel like they have control over their finances. And so I feel very empowered from my businesses. So, you know, it's no joke. Like it's a lot of work. I would never say like, you should go into this unless you're ready for the labor, but you know, building something is awesome. You know, you built something so incredible, Phoebe. You're such an inspiration. That's so nice. (laughs) What is your team format these days? Do you have a team and are you keeping them sort of separate or are they sort of interchanged? How does that work? So Wolf PR, I have a full-time angel baby sweetheart. She's like, I don't know what I'd do without her. She's everything. She's so good. And then we have some consultants, which works really well for us because the work kind of like is elastic. And so sometimes we have like 
a ton of clippings like holiday season we get so many placements and so like that person's going to work more hours that week but we don't always have that kind of work and so it kind of works well for a lot of people right now especially with the pandemic like they don't want ongoing full-time work they want kind of flexibility so we're glad to be able to work with people who that's a good fit for and then with Wolfcraft, I have an amazing business partner. That was like kind of the other part of Wolfcraft's birth is my best friend from undergrad. She's consulted with Wolf PR on and off and she's so smart and so good at research and just like can compile information in a way that I'm like, how did you do that? Teach me how your brain organized this information. And I was going to hire her just to do like some social media work for me. And she called me up the next day and she was like, hey, we're in a pandemic. Why don't I just come on? as a partner. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I think you're smart when you hire people who are smarter than you. I didn't really hire her. She came in as a partner, but she's for sure smarter than me. I'm very thankful for that. And then we have a consortium of consultants and people who help power certain parts of our business. That's awesome. So what's your favorite part of running your own business? The independence. I love like today I woke up early. Yesterday I woke up at like nine 30 because I needed to sleep in, you know, like doing my schedule when I need to take a nap because I feel crummy, like I can take a nap. There are downsides to that. Like some people do want my time (laughs) at certain times, but like being in charge of my life, I wouldn't give that up for anything. I think that's the best part. Yeah, I definitely agree. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a sleeper in her too. And sometimes like riding the wave of energy is really important for me. Like yesterday was beautiful out. So I like wanted to go sit outside for like a few hours. And then I worked until, you know, eight after that. And that's great. That works for that day, you know, and I wouldn't want to be beholden to, you know, anyone else besides my team, but. Totally. There's all these studies about how like productivity and people's brains work. And we know that sitting in front of a computer for nine to five, five days a week doesn't work for the vast majority of the population. It certainly didn't work for me. So I'm like very happy. Like I'm more productive. I'm happier. I'm healthier. I don't get sick. And it's because I'm in charge of my life. So hopefully more people, I think, especially the pandemic will like start to point their ships in that direction. I want that for everyone. I love that. I do too. Yeah. I want everyone to quit their job and work for themselves too (laughs) and be anti-establishment, but (laughs) 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 okay. So we talked a lot about like what kind of press is ideal for small businesses, what makes a great pitch. So, I mean, by the time this podcast comes out, it'll probably be a little bit too close to the holidays to pitch mm-hmm. holidays. Is that true? If this comes out November-ish, is that too late to pitch maybe digital holiday lists? Great question. So I'll do a rundown of like the whole timeline for holiday pitching, because I think it's one of the coolest and most straightforward ways for small businesses to get to start doing their own PR because it's very formulaic. You're not trying to like tell a story about your business or get a profile feature, which is like a little bit harder to do. And there are less opportunities. Holiday pitching is like almost every publication does it. Like you're not going to pitch earrings to men's health, for example, except during the holidays, because they're going to be like gifts you can buy your girlfriend or whatever it is. So you get a lot more opportunities and I think everyone should do it. So it's going to sound insane. The timeline's going to sound insane, but we start doing our initial outreach for long lead in the end of July. And that's like print national. So those are publications that you'd find at like, for example, any magazine newsstand across the States. It's going to be like the real simple, the better homes and gardens, like it's at every single one. So then we start doing print regionals and we usually start that 
end of August. And by the end of August, the print nationals have already really closed. Like some are still open, but most of them are closed. And then we start getting into the digitals and the dailies in the end of September, October. So we're like closing out most of the digitals at this point, but not all of them. And they start publishing, like some of them publish in August, which is insane. But then a lot of them will publish in November. And then some will do like last minute gift guides, quick ship gift guides, these sort of things all the way through to like a week before Christmas. So there's a lot of opportunity still on the table. And that's where like that research comes in is like, when did that publication you want to pitch publish their gift guides last year? And if they haven't published them yet, there's no reason why you can't reach out and say, hey, you did like gifts under 50. Here's my like under 50 for you to consider for this year. Let me know if I can send you information. So yeah, I think people should try because you're only going to learn from doing that outreach, like the worst thing can happen is someone's not going to respond to your email. So I think absolutely it's worth doing. Okay. That's great information. So, okay. So as we go, since this will air towards the end of the year and, you know, we're starting a new cycle of the year, what would be some goals for a small business who has never really had any press before as they plan out their 2022? Even for me, what could GGC have for some goals moving into next year? We've had various small pieces of press, some, you know, collaborations with our partners, mostly that. So how would we want to sort of frame ourselves and have PR as a goal moving into 2022? Such a good question. I think it's like for GGC, there's couple different things. Like if you were my client, we would attack it a few different ways because you are a thought leader in your space. So we would definitely look at other thought leaders and see what kind of stories really make sense. Because what we are excited about for our business is not always a storyline for the media. So it might be how I grew my business in this amount of time or how I leveraged social media or it might be like very like money-based. I see that a lot right now, like how I'm pulling in a million dollars a year, you know, based on these techniques. So we'd have to like deep dive into, you know, what you're comfortable with and then what kind of people that are in your similar space who are thought leaders that we admire who are already getting press and seeing like what is appropriate for where you are in your business to pitch. So that would be one angle, but you have also an amazing craft fair that like deserves a lot of attention also. So we would then look to like, who are your peers there? What are craft fairs that get press, that get local listings, that get sales, whatever it is, that's like an appropriate amount of press for craft fairs. I've never represented one before, so I wouldn't exactly know right off the top of my head but that's where the research part comes in. So if you are our client, we would do the research on your behalf. And if you were working with us, we'd show you exactly how to do the research and give you a spreadsheet and talk through it really in depth and do a little bit together. And so that way we would start creating a roadmap, looking at like what the media opportunities are, what the cycles are. I don't know if you remember, I was talking about like one of my clients plugged into the trade show timing, even though they weren't at that trade show. Like, is there a timing that makes sense for what your industry is doing that the media has like more opportunities per page or per digital page, or they're talking about what you're doing more often. And then the third thing we do is based on that information, is there something you're not doing yet? But like, if we just tweak something you're already doing a little bit, it becomes really accessible to the media. 
I can't say off the top of my head what that is, but I imagine there's quite a bit that you're already doing that's like pretty good already. And it wouldn't need that much effort. It would just need to be packaged in a way that made sense. So I think that answers your question. Yeah, but does. And then what about products? So yeah, we also have the product part of our business. And I know a lot of people listening have products. Is that really connected to the holidays? Do you think like Valentine's day, spring, Mm -hmm. summer, Christmas holidays? Mm -hmm. So yeah, depending on like the scale of the business, there are a few trade shows that are really great shop object, New York gift show. They're the ones that like in America, big buyers go to. So I would definitely say if you're ready, apply for those shows that can really help supercharge press because the media goes to like do their trend reporting and scouting and make connections. And see and those are wholesale out. trade shows mostly, wholesale right? Wholesale trade yeah. shows. Yes. So there's other reasons why you should do that for business. But since I'm a publicist, I'm talking about it through a PR angle and then yeah, pitching for the holidays. So even if you're not doing those trade shows, those trade shows are like timed to feed the buyers products and then to get sales for press. So it's all kind of like everything is timed properly and appropriately. And the media works with that as well. And so, yeah, if you're not pitching for the Christmas time holidays, because like you missed the boat, those same editors are going to be doing Valentine's day. They're going to be doing back to school. They're going to be doing what's hot for summer. They're going to be doing all those other stories. So like those editors are those editors and they're generally called market editors. And they're the ones that you want to start building relationships with. So I think that answers your question too. I kind of get like so excited about your questions. I go a little bit off a little. I'm like, let me that's talk great. to you about this all day. <laughs> no, that's so great. I think a lot of our audience, sometimes we tend to like get so caught up in our own world as business owners that sometimes we forget about the customers mm-hmm. and we forget about like the other things going on in the world. So like, I think it's really hard for our community, at least when they're starting out to get into the fashion rhythm you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, designing for summer now, for instance. And obviously I think a lot of that sort of is being dismantled right now with COVID, with sustainability Mm -hmm. talk, but it is a good reminder too, that our business is for our customers. And I know we get caught up on a lot of like our stuff and like the hamster wheel and running around trying to like, just do the thing. But like, if we can take some time to sort of ground into ourselves and understand what our customer wants mm, and like mm. seasons and like looking at our business from a holistic view. I mean, that's going to include press. That's going to include wholesale trade shows. That's going to include like designing collections ahead of time. And like, I think that's a really big leap for a lot of you all listening. And I think integrating even just some, I mean, I call them CEO days. I know, you know, I love that. Yeah. Tiffany, also one of our podcast guests too. She's Tiffany Lauren Brown. She talks about having CEO days. And really that's great because like just even wrapping your head around some concepts and not being on that hamster wheel for like a couple hours can really help you like think about what's important, find clarity in your mission and, Mm -hmm. you know, plan this into the future. Okay. You know, actually next Friday, I'm going to have a PR day and I'm going to actually like integrate what this thing that I just learned. I think that's a good leap for a lot of our listeners to work towards. Yeah. Like we're so aligned on that. I have a few things to kind of yes and you there. The first thing is like, I've talked a lot about research and there needs to be boundaries around that kind of like what you're saying to make those leaps. You could spend all day researching 
all five days of the week that you're working doing that research because there's unlimited publications and editors. So it's like very important to develop boundaries around that and then iterate on those boundaries. So like this month, every week, I'm going to find 10 people and then stop and like just make notes about what I want to research next time because it's certainly a snake eating its tail. There's like unlimited amounts of stuff you can do. So boundaries are really important. The other thing I want to say that like, I think you really hit on the head. I have like a lot of ideas about business and especially creative business. And I think there's a lot of mythology around that being like your whole life, your whole personality. Like it's very easy to get wrapped up in like, it's your everything. And it is like a customer centered business. Like you still need to eat and pay bills and stock away retirement, you know, like all these like very material things that are part of the world and like making your business revolve around just the creative aspects, I think becomes very draining actually. And it's really important to have those CEO days. I like helped a friend who's a writer. I just gave him like a free session and I was like, I think you should like start developing a newsletter, but also do all this research that's very laborious. And we like talked about all the to-dos. And he's like, so if I do this newsletter, can I circle back with you in like two weeks and we can go over it? I was like, absolutely. But I want to point out that you, the creative writer, went right to the newsletter, which is more writing. And you're ignoring all the like work stuff, the business stuff. And I think it's very easy for us to get intimidated by like the business. And I think just like throw yourself at it with healthy boundaries around the stuff that intimidates us, it's like, you're going to be fine. Make your mistakes, learn from them and keep like doing the business. Otherwise make it a hobby and go get your money somewhere else. <laughs> yes. I love this so much. And I echo this and I know money, Witch Jesse Susanna also talks about this. Like if it's not about money, it's a hobby. And we do yeah. have to remember that we are running a business. And sometimes mm-hmm. you can decide if this excites you or doesn't excite you. For instance, I have to do some QuickBook stuff now that I'm like settled in and like, I have to schedule that shit on my calendar and not schedule anything else that day. Otherwise I'm going to do every other thing on my to-do list and not do my QuickBook stuff. I mean, it literally happened today. I have like some other business stuff that I'm just ignoring, you know, and sometimes we have to do the stuff. Sometimes we really do. And I think the best way to make yourself do it is to like actually put it on your calendar because then you're then you have to do it. <laughs> I despise doing the social media part. And so it's just like every Tuesday, I do a whole hour of like batching everything because otherwise it doesn't get done and no one can book my time because I've already booked by the social media demons. Some of the like money stuff, especially, I think, especially for women, we're like taught to be intimidated by it. Like, oh, QuickBooks, how do I use that? And I just want everyone to feel empowered by that stuff instead of intimidated, like, this is the time where I'm going to get my money, which is how I like live. (laughs) You know, like, I have a lot of other thoughts, but I really don't want women to be intimidated by it, like, or be intimidated and then go do it anyway, like throw yourself at it and don't be afraid of making mistakes there. The only thing that's going to happen is you're going to learn instead of like putting it off or not doing it. Yeah, (laughs) I hear it. I really hear it. Okay. Well, this has been so amazing, Nora. So how can people find you if they want to work with you? If they're like, okay, I need some direction. Where can they find you? I have a website, wolf-craft.com. Email hello at wolf-craft.com. We love a DM moment. So at go.wolf.craft, which I think is how we initially connected. Those are all great ways. Yeah. And then on, I think we might give you like a special link that just has like resources that we talked about. Like we have a free 
holiday gift guide webinar that like goes into everything we talked about a little bit more. And I think that would be helpful. And we have a free like pitching guide, which I think would be great as well. So it kind of like demystifies and de-intimidates some of these concepts because it's not hard. It just takes work. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Thank you so much, Nora. So yes, we'll put all of those pleasure. links on our page and hit up Nora with your PR questions. Please do. Thank thank you you so much much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Girl Gang Craft podcast. Head to girlgangcraft.com slash podcast for show notes and more. See you next time.